Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's sein Rhythmus, als gäb sein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hallo und willkommen zu Gegenpressing, der Bundesliga-Podcast. I'm Manu Veth, he's Stefan Bienkowski and um, Stefan. How's it going? How <laughs> I say that with a laugh because everyone knows what's coming, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm doing good. Um, you, as you can see, or anyone listening to this pod can't see, uh, I'm a little pink in the face because I'm sunburnt. Uh, because yesterday I just grabbed a wife, grabbed a dog, grabbed my hill walking boots and just went for a massive hike. Uh and i just got lost in the wilderness yesterday honestly i feel like after saturday and after that what truly drained me emotionally and you as well i think you know we obviously did the <laughs> two hour twitter spaces and the youtube videos and we're obviously doing work for transfer market in between as well so uh i felt like <laughs> it's gonna sound so ridiculous but you know if you ever watch like one of those old like anime cartoons or movies where at the end of the end of the movie the guy or maybe like a western where the guy just kind of walks off into the horizon i felt a bit like that after what was a truly mental mm. bundesliga season i was like Do you know what i've had enough i've had enough and i felt bad because i got home and i was like oh crap there's the playoffs you know and there's the not the playoffs actually the zwei bundesliga conclusion which didn't happen to catch but we're going to yeah. talk about it on this show because i know you did but um, I got home and I was like, oh, I was just needed to get away from it all because it's it was a pretty crazy um, conclusion to the season, I think we can comfortably say. I'm not going to lie. I think it was done at around noon, my time, and I went straight to the beer garden. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a typical Bavarian vote because I was just, I felt like you, I just, you feel exhausted a little bit, right? Like, we had no skin in this game, um, but obviously it felt a little bit tra traumatic almost if you if you are a Dortmund fan. Um, obviously, if you're a Bayern Munich fan, I don't know where you where, where you sit with this emotionally, but it just felt like a lot. And then, of course, we, we put out a lot of content. Um, the piece on, I mean, we get to talk about all of it. Uh, maybe before we go too much into it, actually give a give a little time slot for our sponsors here because you know we need to get paid. But yeah, we got a ton of to discuss today, Stefan. So let's try to get into it after this break. This episode of the Gegenpressing Podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.ag is your number one source for all your basketball info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines including the latest player reports for this year's pro basketball playoffs. BetOnline is always your sports information headquarters this season, as we have you covered for all sports wagering needs. Basketball, MLB, NHL hockey, right to UFC and boxing. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games you can play right from your home. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, BELIEVE, 
to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That is B-L-E-A-V for 50% welcome bonus. Bet online where the game starts. Yeah, um, as I said, emotional draining. Um, Saturday was a lot. Sunday was a lot too if you're a HSV fan. Um, we'll get to that uh, towards the end of the show. Don't you worry. But um, Bayern Munich win it. And yet nothing feels okay. It feels... There was, of course, there was huge celebrations on Sunday. The the usual Marienplatz show, uh, the women's team winning it as well, right? Um, with an eleven-one win, so they actually managed to get both teams out to celebrate the championship together, which I actually thought was a really nice touch. Um, they had they had the two players of each team walk out together, and I think that was a really nice touch. Um, of course, all of that seems to be overshadowed with what happened between Thursday and Saturday. And I, I managed to piece most of it together on Sunday morning when I had a few phone calls with people who, with direct knowledge of the situation. Um, obviously, we cannot name who these people are. <laughs> but um, Stefan, I, I saw some comments on Twitter that described Bayern's firing of Oliver Kahn and then him not being allowed to go to Cologne as ruthless and um you know embarrassing for an organization and the way they acted towards a former club legend but um i think when you read the piece that i wrote for gegenpressing on the substack um it becomes quite quite clear why oliver Kahn was not allowed to travel and why he wasn't there um, because this was not a clean separation in fact this is not a clean separation yet right um, in terms of what happened when, when you compare it to what happened with Salih Hamidic's reaction was to him being released by the club, um, awarded off the board, right? And subsequently um, being a free agent now and signing a termination contract. Oliver Kahn refused to do the same thing. He blamed pretty much Hassan Salih Hamidic for all the signings, uh, called himself a scapegoat. Um, there was words used that I cannot repeat on this podcast. I, I actually had the entire dialogue um, said to me. And yeah, I think when you have that sort of information, Stefan, it becomes quite clear why Oliver Kahn could not be with the team on Saturday or on Sunday even for the women's final. Yeah, it's quite interesting actually reading your piece and it's a really excellent piece which I really would implore any Bayern fan to, or any German football fan to go sign up to the Substack and read. I know I would say that, but honestly, it, it's it's a really great in-depth piece <laughs> into what's happened behind the scenes. Um, and, you know, I kind of read through as, um, I read it through as, you know, as a blow for blow take on what was going on. And I thought it was really interesting in the sense that, um, you know, you look at the way that Oliver Kahn reacted and, the potential kind of surprise mm. of that, and I thought to myself, how can anyone be surprised that Oliver Kahn would react this way? Does nobody remember what this guy was like yeah. as a footballer? Uh, he took absolutely no shit from teammates or from opponents or from managers or anyone. It was his way mm. or the highway. Um, and his first reaction to most things was just sheer outrage and anger. So... Um, I don't, or mm. I didn't um, envy the person that had to hand him his P45 slip. Um, I, I guess, his, I don't know if they have P45 slips in the U US, but basically in the UK the, is what the you The equivalent. 
yeah. yeah. It's what you get handed when you lose your job. Um, and because, yeah, I could totally imagine him flipping a few desks, smashing a few windows, uh, and then, you know, just kind of driving his car through the campus, just kind of crashing into things. Um, but, and it seems like that wasn't far off what did happen. And, um, mm. but like the thing is, like, but, but, you know, as you're, as, you know, I think a lot of people had a fair point by saying they didn't have to do it this way. I think even Yosha Kimmich came out and said it as well. I think you quoted him in the pieces saying, yeah. you know, and I think, you know, and, the really interesting thing for that is you can obviously look at this from a kind of very, um, you know, you can take a kind of 10,000 foot view of this and be like, right, Bayern are moving the chess pieces on the board. And from this point of view, mm. it makes perfect sense. The last couple of years have not been good from a player recruitment point of view. Obviously, Oliver Kahn took issue with that because he thinks that Salihamovic on his own or specifically who's in charge of that. Um but, you know, you can certainly take the view that, you know, the club hasn't been run properly, so the people who've been running the club have to go. And that's mm. fair enough. But I think if you kind of read between the lines and if you kind of look at what a lot of the reporting from Barn has been stating this season, it is that the players have been getting really fed up with the manner in which they've been kind of out of the loop with all this stuff. Uh, you kind of go mm. back to the Nagelsmann stuff and there's still, up until like a week or two ago, a lot of reporting pointing out how mm. upset some key figures in the squad were that... You know, not only were they kind of aware that this was even a situation that was about to happen, they were completely out of the blue when he got sacked, but also mm. in the following days and weeks that happened, uh, you know, the club, or certain members of the club, shall we say, um, were going out of their way to say to journalists off the record that, look, they're like, oh yeah, you know, the squad weren't happy with Nagelsmann, they didn't like him, uh, they're, he, they're the reason he had to go. And I think that's something that kind of stuck in the throat of a lot of players at Bayern. You now fast forward to the end of the season, and yes, yeah, sure, Thomas Tuchel's still in charge, but mm. it's the same thing all over again, where you know the players are completely left out of it. There's probably there's obviously a a group of players there who probably you know not only Osayahamovic the reason they're at the club, but he obviously put a lot of faith in a lot of them with the kind of string of contract yeah. extensions that they announced last year. So they probably feel a degree of loyalty to him alone as it is. Um, and you know we're not talking about Sayahamovic here. I mean, people who might not you know. I guess this is kind of inside baseball to an extent, but you know when you are in the mix zone and you kind of see the way these players and the officials interact with each other, you know Sajamovic isn't some kind of stuffed shirt who sits in the boardroom and does interact with players. He's down there in the mix zone, in the changing mm. room, high fiving, hugging, celebrating with the players. Yeah. That's obviously why he felt very strongly about being there on Saturday and Sunday for the celebrations. So it's not really that they've just sacked some backroom guy that the players hadn't who only signed the players' checks every month. This is the guy who had a huge part in the club. So on the one hand, you can understand why they did it. Mm. And I think we did a video on this obviously on Saturday after the game. And my point was basically, yeah, you can understand why. This is Bayern Munich. If it, if you're not the absolute best, you know, you have to get going. So in that regard, you can see why Cannon Simon, which moved on. But as you made a great point of saying in your video in your article, the consequences of this are something that the club may end up kind of feeling for the rest of the summer. Well, you know, um, just briefly on this, we had uh, Nikuse, the agent of Alfonso Davies, speak out today, right, and saying um, we had a contract ready for an extension. Now we don't know who's going to be in charge. We don't know who we're going to talk to. Um, there was a pre-agreement in place, but now he's flying back to Edmonton to, you know, without a new contract. And he's going even as far and saying, well, maybe it's better to wait until next summer to sign a new contract and see what's going on. There was similar things said about Lucas Hernandez. 
you know, um, there was a contract agreement in place as well. And now Hassan Salihamidzic is gone. Um, we don't know whether there's going to be a new sporting director. In fact, the sporting director that was approached was Max Eber, and that's not happening. Uh, you know, he can't get out of his contract, and Leipzig will not let him out of his contract. Uh, one source that I spoke to said, well, maybe for 30 million euros. Um, so, you know, that is... <laughs> <laughs> That's not happening. Why? Why? Uh, why do I have a sudden sense of déjà vu coming over me right now? <laughs> yeah, Bayern yeah. wants someone from Leipzig yeah, and it, who might cost twenty or thirty million euros. Where does that come from? No one is paying thirty million euros for a sporting director. I think. Um, I mean, we've seen it all, but I think that is kind of out of question. But you know, um, it, it is fascinating too. Um, another source that I spoke to said that Thomas Tuchel, when he heard about the news. And the timeline, I'm not 100% certain here, but he said that, and I paraphrase, well, if you guys don't want to have me here, I can I can throw the towel and leave as well. Hmm. You know, and so yeah. even Tuchel was upset in a way that, you know, it, it apparently led to shouting. And so you're quite right. I mean, at the end of the day, Salihamidzic made a lot of the signings. We can all sit here and say, okay, these didn't work out, especially this year. And I think there's a really good point that you can make to that. But at the other time, or the other, the flip side of that is that the players really trusted him. He managed to mm-hmm. convince someone like Sadio Mane um, to come to Bayern Munich, right? He was very far down with a lot of signings. The, the very fact that someone like Harry Kane is being mentioned over and over at Bayern Munich again is because there's a belief that Hassan Salihamidzic can convince a player like that. So that's the flip side of it. Whether those signings are good or not, Hmm, other question, right? And that's the point that Oliver Kahn made. He said, I cannot be blamed, and again, I'm kind of paraphrasing here, for all these garbage signings that Hassan Salihamidzic made, right? And paraphrasing and translating here. But, you know, there's always several sides to each, to each story. And I think what the ultimate ending of this is for Bayern Munich is that they are finding themselves in a really difficult transition phase at the moment without a sporting director. Right, because right now it looks like Rummenigge, Hoeneß, and Tuchel are going to make the signings. So that's it's May, it's end of May, it's June next week. You, you know, you have to, usually at this time, around this time, Bayern Munich have already signed three, four players. Um, they might be announcing Lima soon. That's it. So it's a really difficult situation, Stefan. Yeah, and also it says a lot about the difficulties the club have had over the last couple of years that. Um, that Honus and Romaniga have basically had to be parachuted back in here to fix things. Obviously, uh, yeah. you could argue that Honus never left, and I think that's something we, we we've mentioned uh, either directly or indirectly on this podcast for the last year or so. I think it's probably worst kept secret around Munich that he's still kind of pulling some strings. Romaniga, perhaps not mm-hmm. so much. He obviously goes to the games. He's still around. I'm sure he's offering advice and things, but uh, he didn't seem to, he seemed to be quite happy to kind of step away from it. But remember when Can and uh, Sajamic came in, this was meant to be the kind of new generation of, you know, Bayern mm. coming in and proving that, you know, FC Bayern wasn't just the Uli Honus show. It wasn't just a Karl-Heinz Rummenigge show. It was a club that, that, that was they could succeed no matter who's running it, uh, that it had multiple uh, dynasties lined up. It could, you know, it could, it could wear the storm and, you know, project itself into the future. Uh, and that's all gone up in smoke, mm. you know? And I think that's maybe not the biggest issue right now. I doubt Bayern fans are really worried about that. Some may even be celebrating that Romanig and Hone is our back. But 
you know, these aren't young guys. Mm. Um, and whether they can kind of get things back on track um, next season and, me- and whether they can get Bayern back to kind of being this kind of squad and team capable of fighting in the Champions League, it still doesn't really address the issue that this club remain incapable of moving on from that generation. And yeah. even if they are able to get someone like Max Eberlin, um it, it, it doesn't strike me, um, you know, with all due respect, Heiner and is it Deason? I forgot his, uh, the guy's name, the, the, the CEO that they're bringing in. Deason, yeah. These guys aren't really kind of the, the, the kind of personalities or, you know, powerful egos that are going to step in and say, right, Honus, thanks, but we've got it from here. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, I think that's probably a large reason why Heiner got the job in the first place in the sense that, you know, he's a very agreeable person for, for Honus and Romaniga. So, it's it's not a bad thing by any means. I'm not I'm not saying these guys shouldn't be in charge or anything like that. Uh, and obviously, you know, Hounds and Rummenigge have proved time and time again that they know exactly what Bayern need and what Bayern mm. needs. But the fact that they were unable to find a successor or successors to their jobs, uh, or at least the very first people they turn to, uh, has gone up in smoke. Um, it's really quite interesting to me because um, it may suggest that in the long run, Bayern are in a bit of trouble here because they don't seem to have... Um, a long-term vision now that mm. the guys who are meant to be taking over from the last guys have been sacked. Yeah, no, totally. There's so many succession references in here, but I can't mention any of them because I don't think you've watched the finale yet. So I'm going to leave it at that, but you'll find out, Stefan. There is there is a few good points <laughs> in there. <laughs> um, I guess what I find, and this is maybe where we can slightly transition it to the, the other side, Bayern Munich winning the title um, thanks to a gorgeous Musiala goal. Um, I think one that when the dust settles on all of this will go into the Bayern Munich Museum as one of the greatest goals ever scored in club history because it did save the club's title um, at a point when it really seemed all lost. Um, and I think too, it might go down in history as maybe the last one of a dynasty because there was an interesting uh, tweet put out by Tobias Escher, who was, in, who was um, with Spielverlagerung in Germany, right? And he, he made he, he tried to make a different point, but it's not the point that stuck with me. Is where he, he showed a graph of Dortmund and Bayern Munich's support points totals, and what's really telling was that over the last five years, Bayern's point total has gone down every single year, and Dortmund's has kind of closed the gap, and I feel like that's going to keep happening. Um, you know, this is the lowest point total in since 2010. And this was only Dortmund's fourth highest point total ever. Um, so there's a lot of people out there that saying this is the end of the Bundesliga. We may as well close shop. If Bayern, if Bayern can't be beaten with this, uh, they will never be beaten. I'm not quite in that camp. I don't actually see a reason for thinking this is going to get better. Um, and so maybe as Dortmund fans wake up from this nightmare, Stefan, that was the Saturday where they, and I had, I have a guy who was in my posts all the time. Is one of those Twitter people who like don't even follow you, but have something to say all the time. He's like, oh, they're never going to close the gap to buy and it's finances and they can, can't do it. And it's not fair. Yada, yada, yada. So that I will say, Bayern's financial gap to Dortmund did not, did not fail to beat Mainz. You know, Dortmund did that themselves. And to that, we have to go to Dortmund. And the drama, the dramatic, or, or the, the dramatic experience that Dortmund fans went through on a day where they thought they would celebrate the title. Yeah, um, 
I've now had a couple of days to kind of process what happened here and mm. where I was kind of full of sympathy for for Dortmund and you know we saw the, the images on TV of the players looking dejected and you, you know your heart really went out for guys like Marco Royce, Matt Hummels uh, who may never get a chance to kind of win in our title again um, you know you saw Eden yeah. Terzic in front, front of the yellow wall you saw the appreciation support uh, all of them got from the from the club support uh, and you kind of couldn't help but feel sorry for them. I've now slept on it twice uh, and I've kind of managed to find a little pocket of anger and rage, uh, which I'm more than happy to just kind of like unfurl for all our listeners here because um, there's no doubt that Dortmund dropped the ball um, to use a, 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 a sports metaphor from another sport, which is I'm sure is extremely comfortable uh, fitting. Um yeah, they, they should have won the title and they didn't, and that's their fault. And mm. I think, you know, there's a few things here. You know, there will be haters who never who don't watch German football, uh, who, who, if anything, maybe enjoy kind of beating down on it and will say, oh my God, if Dortmund couldn't win it this season, they'll never win it. Um, as if to suggest that, like, the stars mm. aligned for Dortmund, which is just simply not the case. As you said, yes, Bayern were terrible for yeah. much this season, but... I think Dortmund were terrible for much this season too, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, you know, you kind of, not only the fact that poor Sebastian Haller was obviously struck down for horrible illness and was able to come back, but he missed mm. half the season. Um, you know, the club uh, were extremely inconsistent in the first half of the campaign. They were, I think they finished the first half of the season in sixth place, if I'm not mistaken, if my memory serves me right. So yeah. we're not talking, and, you know, never mind a whole raft of, in- of injuries, uh, a whole number of new signings that didn't settle in. I mean, I can distinctly remember us talking during the January break about how Schlotterbeck and Nicolas Sula just have not got going at Dortmund. Um, you know, so this wasn't a case in which the stars aligned for Dortmund and they still managed to lose it, which would suggest that, you know, Bayern Munich are inevitable. It's quite the opposite, I think. I think Dortmund were an extremely average team for most of the season. Uh, yes, they finished very strongly uh, up until the final match day. Uh, they looked fantastic after the winter break when they finally got some players from mm. match fit. Uh, Terzic managed to obviously spend a lot more time in the training pitch and that kind of po- mid-season break with them all. Uh, and they finally looked like a great team. But there's still so much room of, for improvement in this Dortmund side. And I think that's the key thing here. You know, I was kind of looking over the reactions from a number of people at the club um, after the defeat on Saturday. Mm. Um, and... You know, you had Vatska saying, "Oh well, you know, we're we're Dortmund. We're from the rear area. We're used to kind of picking ourselves up and getting on with it. We'll go again. Yeah, we'll bounce back." Um, which I find quite surprising because I'd actually argue that for the last ten seasons they've done anything but bounce back. Uh, and they've been extremely inconsistent. They've been extremely inefficient in the transfer market, and they've done anything but trying mm. to bounce back. Um, so I'm not sure he's the best person to say. You know will definitely have a team capable of fighting for the championship next season. And then there's other things like, you know, Sebastian Kale. I think it was either Sebastian Kale or Vatska saying, well, you know, the real problem is that we didn't pick enough points in the first half of the season. To which I would say, well, that's because you sacked yeah. your head coach in May and you appointed a novice in charge. Now, this is not me trying to, you know, bash on Terzic. I think he proved himself in the second half of the season. He's got plenty of... Uh, great attributes to the coach. There's no doubt mm. that the players have bought into what he does. He's got great performances out of players who just could not perform at Dortmund for a number of t- years. I think, you know, Brandt uh, and Guerrero, perhaps a good example. 
But let's not forget that the guy that he sacked in May finished third with Leipzig, only about six or seven points below Dortmund, you know? And probably and would have won the title if he had been in charge all season. You took the words <laughs> right out of my mouth there. Now, now, there's, now, this is obviously me looking back with 2020 vision here because there's no doubt that there were issues yeah. in the squad when Marco Rosa was in charge. Maybe certain players didn't like him. Uh, the supporters mm. weren't entirely enthralled by him, especially after what happened to Gladbach. Um, so, you know, I'm not saying, I'm not really going as far as to say, yeah, of course, Dortmund would have walked to the title if Rosa had stayed in charge. What I'm saying is the club are huffing and puffing about a dodgy transitional period in the first half of the season, but that was entirely of their own making, you know, and... Mm. I wrote. I I keep referencing this newsletter I wrote a few weeks ago when I I basically questioned whether Dortmund deserved to win the title, and it wasn't me trying to troll the club, and it wasn't me trying to wind up supporters. Um, I had some mm. people saying it was clickbait on Twitter, which baffles me since we run a newsletter with a paywall. Kind of defeats the purpose of a paywall. Yeah. If you if you're writing, people don't sign up to clickbait articles, so um, it's not really yeah. what we're in the habit of doing. The point I was making. Was I was looking through the stats and saying, well, how much have Dortmund actually improved this season? And it is minimal. Um, now, I'm not, that's not to take away from the to, to the credit they deserve for mounting a challenge. The point I'm trying to make here is that Dortmund have a lot of space to go into, and it is imperative that they know that. It's imperative that they don't put their feet up this summer and say, well, we got within a whisper of Bayern. If we do more of the same, yeah. we should be we should be all right. They have to do a lot more. Um, you know, and I'm sure we'll talk about this in the transfer show this week in terms of players that they can sign, positions they need to strengthen. Obviously, Guerrero's you know confirmed that he's now leaving the club. That's a big miss. Maybe Bellingham joins him. Who knows? But the point is that Dortmund made steps forward this season, but they have to make a few more uh, to ensure that all the good work they did this year doesn't just go up in smoke next season. I think that's fair. I don't think I'm yeah, being you can't... I don't know. You t- you tell me. No, no, I. I mean, there is. I, I wrote this article saying that they deserve to win the title, and I stand by it um, because, like, in the end of the day, they had the same amount of points as Bayern, and really, it was one goal going one way or another. And I am of the firm belief, and I say that Bayern, like, you know, I have lots of Bayern fans saying they didn't deserve the title. Excuse my language, that's bullshit. If you're first after 34 games, and if it's goal differential, it doesn't really matter, right? If you're first after 34 games, you deserve to win the title. So let's just throw that notion right out of the window. Um, I think also if you're second after 34 games and it's even if it's just goal differential, you do not deserve to win the title. It's really that simple, right? Um, I think one thing that I kind of want to point out, and this should maybe give Dortmund fans some hope, is that they did dominate the last 19 games of the Bundesliga season. Um, You know, they finish essentially with 11 points ahead of Bayern Munich. Um, eight points ahead of RB Leipzig. Uh, sorry, six points ahead of RB Leipzig. Um, but, you know, they did dominate that second half of the season in convincing fashion. And if you do take that spread over 34 games, they'll win the title quite easily, right? Probably with a record amount of points for them. Um, not necessarily a Bundesliga record, but a record amount of points for them. So there is that. And I also say, okay, if you make, if you come with the right conclusions from that run, I'm not saying roll it back. Don't come back with the exact same squad. Don't do that. Um, but I do say that the trend is your friend. And if you do make the right decisions in the summer, you can come out of the gates and play that sort of season that you played in the second half. You're going to win the title in, t- in next season. 
it is really that simple. Of course, psychologically, how you're going to come over this, this traumatic experience of losing the title at the last day of the season. Um, what is Bayern Munich going to do? What is Leipzig going to do? We have, we have to put them into the equation too. Um, it's not going to be just one title challenger next year. I think it's going to be three, right? So there's all of that. But if you draw the right conclusions from what happened on Saturday, and if you look at what happened since the World Cup break, you have a good chance of winning the title next year. And I think that only happens though um, if you are willing to make these sort of ruthless decisions that Bayern Munich made this year. And I think that is, you can say about Bayern Munich whatever you want. When they make a mistake, they don't care about personal feelings, love to the club, what a person means to a club. They put the club over every single individual. That's why the club name, and this was the, they were the first team to do this. So the club name is on the top of the shirt and the name of the player at the bottom. And some teams have now copied that, right? But they were the first to do it because the club is always above, above the individual. And that's why they're so successful. And unless other teams in Germany or anywhere really understand that, I think the only other team really that has that sort of ethos is Real Madrid. You know, Dortmund need to look at Bayern Munich rather than saying, well, we're the Westfalian, we do things different, we're poor, we don't have that sort of... You want to beat Bayern Munich, you need to beat Bayern Munich. You need to be ruthless, you need to put the club above everything else. And that also might include... <sighs> this sounds really harsh, but at Bayern Munich, Watzke would have been fired a long time ago. And yeah, that, that is the difference. That's the difference. Yeah. No, you're right, and it's it's a point I made on Twitter actually when the news came out that it's an interesting contrast that Bayern have sacked their kind of CEO and sporting director. They they, yeah. they won the league, uh, but Dortmund obviously are kind of sticking with what they have. And you know, I've actually been very critical of Vatska over the last kind of ten years. I've been very critical of Dortmund's kind of transfer policy over the last ten years. Uh, I actually mm. think one of the reasons they came close to the title this year is because they kind of changed that for a start instead of kind of. Um, instead of selling Haaland and bringing in another youngster, they actually brought in some ready-made players for a change. And you can see how much of a difference yeah. that made to this team where you've suddenly got more senior players like Haller, and I know Malin finally settled in as well. Uh, even Adeyemi to an extent, mm. he's not just some young gun. He's obviously done what he can in Austrian football and, and you know, has kind of developed. Um, Nicholas Sula is a good example of that too, I suppose. More senior players who yeah. aren't just signed in the hope of selling them to the Premier League in four or five years. So, I think, and I hope Dortmund have kind of turned a corner in that regard. I hope, I think they know that they kind of have to maybe change things up a bit. Um, and mm. yeah, you're right. And this is kind of what I'm saying in the sense that, you know, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Uh, there's a lot going well in this Dortmund team. Terzic is obviously yep. getting a really good uh, vibe out of all of them. He's getting great performance out of a lot of that team. Uh, we actually recently did a kind of transfer show, I think, and I basically made the point that even if Jude Bellingham was to move on, they still got all the kind of building blocks there for a strong squad. So, that's a lot better than you could have said back when you know they relied on Erling Haaland or when they relied on Jadon Sancho, Christian Pulisic, yeah. Obama Yang, whoever, blah, blah, blah. Um, so there's a lot going well for Dortmund. But as you said, they need that ruthlessness. They need to take that last kind of 10% to kind of put their foot down and say, no, we're here to try and win something. You know, And you, know, you and I both know this firsthand that trying to get 
someone at Dortmund or an ex-player or an ambassador or whatever you want to call them to say yeah. are Dortmund title challengers, they look at you like you've got three heads. Like, we're not allowed to say that. We can't say that. And it's that it's those kind of little psychological things that kind of build up. They're almost kind of like, you know, a little snowball that kind of bl- turns into a boulder when it starts falling down the hill in the sense that, you know, it, 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 it breeds this kind of weird psychology at the club. And perhaps that's mm. why... Um, maybe that's why they choked against Mainz. Maybe that's why they choked when I went to go see them at the Allianz Arena in the Classic, or where they suddenly they were very yeah. good and suddenly they just kind of choke when the pressure is on them. So, so a lot there's still a lot of work to be done there. But yeah, they've had a they've they've done well. I hope that's the point that comes across when Dortmund fans listen to this. I hope they don't think we're just going to bash on their club when they're down. Um, they've done a great job. They just have to keep yeah. at it. The right conclusions from this season will win you the title next year. Because Bayern Munich will not play a monster year next year. They can't. They don't have. They don't have the sporting leaders in the club right now to draw the right conclusion or to make the right decisions themselves. Um, you know, there is a period of weakness that's probably going to last. The right conclusions this summer could lead to Dortmund in the title next year. And I think that is, I think, the main point that they have to. I know it's going to take a few days, maybe even weeks, you know, for this to settle in. But at the end of the day. What they have put on the field since the World Cup break was astonishing. And if you are able to bottle that and bring it into next year, you are going to win the title. Uh, it's really that simple and straightforward. I know it's probably a lot harder than we make it sound, but I, I do really feel that. Now, having you know had the time to look back, uh, Stefan, we need to park some time for the bottom half of the table. Schalke relegated. I know you were rooting them for them a long, long, a long, long time. Um, it feels like, though, that club might be back sooner than we think. Um, it wasn't a chaotic, chaotic relegation. And at the end of the day, also, you look at it and you say, um, they, they've done a lot of things and put a lot of pieces into the place that makes them probably come back up. Um, speaking about coming up, <laughs> and we were asked about this from our listeners, HSV, Hamburger Sportverein, were up for a good 11 minutes until Heidenheim scored two goals in what is an extended extra time um, at the... Where were they playing again? Sorry, I'm blanking here. Um, Regensburg. Regensburg, thank you. Yeah, both HSV and uh, Heidenheim were playing at relegated sides, right? Um, HSV got the job done against Sandhausen, 1-0 win, which isn't a given. A few years ago, they lost 5-1 to Sandhausen and threw away promotion, so they got the job done themselves. Um and then it still wasn't enough. And I got asked why it was so much extra time. Um, it's because, it's quite simple, there was two VAR decisions um, that just extended the period for quite some time in, in uh, Regensburg. Uh, poor HSV, though, Stefan. Um, they now have to go to relegation playoffs against Stuttgart. So we have two Giants play for the final Bundesliga spot. Yeah, we do. And, you know, as we've been kind of saying for the last couple of weeks, whether it be Stuttgart or Schalke, I think I would have probably favoured both of them yeah. uh, in that playoff spot against Hamburg, who have looked fine this season, but haven't looked exactly like world beaters. So it'll be interesting to see. We will be uh, doing a bonus show on this, by the way, a reaction show, yeah. um, which will be coming out Friday morning. Uh, we'll be doing a, another Substack thread on it so subscribers can follow along and watch with us. Uh, it should be a good game. Uh, but yeah, it was absolutely gut-wrenching for me this weekend because someone who's trying to get as many of the big Bundesliga traditional clubs back in the top flight 
Uh, we first have Dortmund drop points. I was in a very weird position this season or this weekend where I was supporting Dortmund and Schalke, uh, which just really goes to show how much of a neutral I am uh, in the Bundesliga. People don't believe me when I say that. They're like, oh, he must be a Bayern fan. He must be a Dortmund fan. He must be a Leipzig fan or whatever. I was supporting Dortmund and Schalke this weekend. So make of that what you will. Yeah. Uh, you know, Dortmund lose the title. Schalke get relegated. Double whammy. And then I come home from this big hike on Sunday to see the hamburger on the cusp of actually winning promotion, only for this to happen. Uh, and obviously, no offence to Heidenheim, they deserve to be there. Uh, but <laughs> it just feels like, yeah. yeah, it just feels like one thing after the other. Um, I'm sure Heidenheim will be great in the Bundesliga next season. Uh, and we'll definitely try and speak a lot more about them. Uh, in the coming weeks and over this coming season, uh, summer season, so people, so hopefully our listeners can have a really good look at them before they come, they do get into the mm. league. But this playoff spot is going to be really, really interesting because uh, I don't know. I, I think yeah. I think I think the odds are up against Hamburg, um, and I guess we will just kind of have to wait and see what happens, won't we? Yeah, well, sooner or later, Hamburg is going to win the lottery and come up, right? I mean, it has to happen eventually. Um, you know, programming note. Um, I put in my credential request for the game against uh, HSV in Stuttgart, so it looks like I will be there. Um, obviously, I, I am in Hamburg for the for the promotion uh, relegation second leg um, because that's where our office is, and I have to I have to blow the cobwebs off my desk because I haven't been in a year. Um, <laughs> so I will be there in Hamburg as well, um, and so you will get some bonus content from that too. Um, if you are a subscriber, but uh, Stefan, it's the, the it's not over yet. I I felt like on Saturday the season was over, and we kind of like <sighs> relief, and then you realize it's like no, well there is still the relegation playoffs, there is still the German Cup final. We we dodged a bullet, I guess, with Leverkusen not making the Europa League final, so that that would have been even more. Um, but yeah, there's another two weeks of season ahead of us until we can, yeah, sort of take a little bit of a break. Take a break, yeah, absolutely. Um, and Leverkusen are still waiting to see if they can actually, if they actually will be in the Europa League next season. Uh, some interesting yeah. kind of comments from them actually, where you had, um, I think you had Jabi Alonso saying, "Yeah, obviously I'll be supporting." So the kind of the way it works is that if Frankfurt win the final against Leipzig, they yeah. get into Europe. But if Leipzig win, uh, who are already in Europe, then the spot goes to the next team in the Europe in the Bundesliga, which would be Bayer Leverkusen. So you had Jabi Alonso saying in his press conference, yeah, of course, I'll be sporting Leipzig in the final. And then I think they maybe spoke to Herodeki or someone and he said, <laughs> he's like, yeah, I understand. I understand how it's supposed to work, but I don't like Red Bull. So I'll be sporting Frankfurt. <laughs> it just feels like the most kind of like also, Radetzky, that's his, thing. his former club, right? So Radetzky yeah, came yeah. from Frankfurt. So maybe there's a little bit of sympathy still there as well. <laughs> I get it. I get it. But... Even to the extent that he won't get to play in Europa League, I don't know. That's it. Seems quite. I don't know. Anyway, nice guy. Well, maybe he won't be playing Europa League next year, um, even if Leverkusen are there, because there is always <laughs> rumors about a new goalkeeper. So maybe he just doesn't give a, you know. Um, anyhow, Stefan, I know you have to run uh, for another obligation. So let's wrap this show up. Uh, as always, this is brought to you by Bet Online. Um, as I said. We have some. We have a little bit of a different schedule on the Substack this week. My my post is already out. Um, this podcast, of course, then came out second. Stefan's newsletter will be in my spot. But then on top of that, there will be a reaction piece coming um, if credentials come through, which they usually do from Stuttgart. 
from the first leg. And um, and and the transfer show on Wednesday. And the transfer show on Wednesday, of course. Um, and then, of course, there's also going to be a release credentials have come through, so I can guarantee that one. Um, there will be a reaction piece from the German Cup final as well. So, yes, lots of stuff coming your way. Uh, so stay tuned, sign up for the newsletter, and we'll be and back soon. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, sorry to cut you off at the very end there, but we also, yeah. as, as if running a podcast, a Substack wasn't hard enough, we've also decided to start sticking videos on YouTube up whenever we can be bothered. So uh, yes. subscribe to that as well, if you don't mind. Um, we seem to be everywhere at, at the moment. Um, but yeah, yeah, thanks so much to people who already have subscribed and watched the videos. We've been busy uh, and we keep ourselves busy and we'll keep ourselves busy for at least another 10 days or so. Well, enjoy the final games of this season, whether it's the relegation playoffs, whether it's the cup. I guess really you can only enjoy the relegation playoffs if your team is not in it. Um, I know that from personal experience. If your team is in it, not enjoyable. If your team is not in it, great fun. Um, anyways, we'll be back soon. Until then, auf Wiedersehen. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean not a cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.